Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. Well, this is it. This is, this is the week. If you're looking for any week in all of human history where, where God gives unshakable evidence that he loves us and has a future for us, not just post-COVID, but, but forever. This is the week. And this week all started with Palm Sunday, where adoring crowds lined the streets of Jerusalem as Jesus made a kingly entrance. And they began, the crowds began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And if you've been part of this attractive series, you know something of who was in that crowd in Jerusalem on that first Palm Sunday because we saw in this attractive series, the last three weeks, we've seen Jesus attracts everybody, every socioeconomic, every demographic background. They're all attracted to Jesus because it wasn't his religion. It wasn't his politics. It wasn't his gender or age. It wasn't his ethnicity. It was his love. He had power, power to heal and to help, but it all came from his love. And that attracted people to Jesus. Now, in this attractive series, we've been asking the question, do we attract people today as Christ church, as his followers today? Do we attract people for the same reason that Jesus attracted? Remember he said, I, I want people to be attracted more than any other thing to you as my followers by the love that you have. And that's what attracted people to Jesus. How are we doing? And we have, we've, you know, we know it's a small but very often loud uh, minority. Why do those who know the least have to know it the loudest? And, but they'll, they'll be angry and self-righteous and they'll speak hatred and they'll say they're doing it in the name of the Lord. And, uh, you know, the, the, the truth gets drowned out by these loud mouths, you know, uh, so many times. But often it's this. They are trying to expect people who don't even know the love and truth of Jesus to act like they do, you know? That's the opposite of what Jesus did. Look at this. Jesus constantly does not expect people who haven't known his love to act like they have. Jesus loved people, as is. You know, I was driving down uh, the, the highway uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I saw a car, and, and I'm sure that the for sale sign, it didn't say for sale, just said, as is, where is? But I assume it was for sale, just as is, where is? That's exactly the way that Jesus accepted and loved people. As is, where is? It didn't matter if you were a, a cursing fisherman on the coast of the Sea of Galilee, or whether you were a, 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 you know, a, a Pharisee, 
at the temple in Jerusalem, as is, where is, I love you and I want to do the future with you. It didn't matter if you were a sacrificially giving, devout, benevolent Jewish widow in Jerusalem or a multi-divorced now living with another guy, uh, Samaritan adulteress. Jesus says, as is, where is, I love you and I've got a great future as you follow me. It didn't matter if you were a despised Jewish tax-collecting Roman collaborator or if you were a successful Gentile military Roman centurion. Jesus says, as is, where is, follow me. It was his love that attracted people. All he had to do was have a heart that reached out for God, the living, real God. All he had to have was a heart that reached out for God and Jesus was right there saying, I left heaven for people exactly like you. Remember when we started this attractive series, Jesus saw the spiritual hunger in Zacchaeus, went to his house and the crowd muttered, you know, because what's he doing going to the house of a, a Roman collaborating tax collector? He's a, he's a sinner. And yet when he's in the presence of Jesus, because Jesus saw beyond his faults and he saw his need, he saw his heart reaching out for spiritual reality. And, and before dinner is over, Zacchaeus stands up and makes a very philanthropic announcement. You know, uh, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I've ever ripped anybody off with their taxes, I'm going to be paying them many times over. What happened? There was, there was something, when he was accepted as is where is, and he came to know Jesus, his life started to change. And that's exactly the way it works. You see, Jesus doesn't expect people who haven't known his love to act like they have. But Jesus, here, does expect people who have known his love to act like they have. Zacchaeus had experience something of the acceptance and forgiveness and love of Jesus. And right away, he starts to change. I remember when pastoring in Edmonton, the uh, president of the Edmonton Chamber of Commerce and his wife both gave their lives to Christ in our church community. And uh, they, they both wanted to be baptized, but then something was troubling him. He got a hold of him. He said, you know, I, I, I've tried to stop smoking, especially since I've started following Jesus. And I, I just, I'm just stuck with this habit. Should I even be, I want to be baptized with my wife to express publicly, that's what baptism is, to express publicly uh, what happened privately, that I've given my life uh, to follow Jesus. But he said, you know, I, should I wait until I stop smoking? I said, no, 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 no. You just go, you start following Jesus. Obey and what, what he has revealed to you and these other things will take care of themselves. Do you know, we, we, we always, we had a monthly baptismal service on a Sunday evening and people would come over that had been baptized with their families and, uh, to our townhouse and we just had our great party and, and uh, wonderful time. But he, he told me later, he said, on the way in, he said to his wife, I guess it wouldn't be right to smoke at the pastor's house. And so he left his smokes in, in, in the car Last time he ever had a hankering to pick up a cigarette. It just, he, was, he was freed from that. You know, just, see, that's what happens. You start to follow Jesus with what you do know, and he frees you up in more and more areas of your life as you continue to follow him. But it starts with you being accepted as is and where is, and you just start following Jesus from that condition. All right, Jesus does expect people who have experienced his love to act like they do. You know, at the Palm Sunday Parade, 
Pharisees were there telling Jesus to stop the parade. <laughs> and uh, Pastor Matt said, you know, if he was quoting the stones will cry out. And that's what Jesus said. The Pharisees, if they don't, the people don't praise me, the stones will cry out. They're just something of, the, Jesus is coming to change creation and to change humans into a new creation that week. And nothing's going to stop it. But these Pharisees were like Jesus' official opposition. They, they felt they wanted people to come into a religion instead of having a personal relationship with God. They kept people from getting into the temple and, and money changers were, were, were getting money from people, exploiting people who had a hunger for spiritual reality. And the Pharisees were all part of this. And so Jesus, and, and, and here, here's another thing, just before we read a verse, watch this. Every day of their lives, every religious person, especially the Pharisees, would have said the Shema, you know, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. So they knew, they knew that their biggest responsibility was to love God and to love people. And, and Jesus holds them accountable to it. Look at, in Matthew 23 what he says. Jesus says, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of the religious law, and you Pharisees? Hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe, that means give a tenth of, even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. Can you see this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and one for you, God. Yeah. Anyway, but he says, you, you're, 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 you're that petty with your tithing, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law. Justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. You know, they knew how to loudly proclaim, oh, we love you, God, with all our being, and we love our neighbor as ourself, but they didn't do it. So Jesus holds them accountable. That's exactly what he does. Now, Esther and I have had a relative visiting with us, sort of a distant relative, and he always, he started, he initiated the conversation, and every time I met him after that, he had the same conversation. It was always, what's wrong with the church, and this priest that he had this, and, and on and on, and I'd listen, and I'd be compassionate, but then I'd meet him again, and it's like he didn't even hear what I said the last time, and I said, you know, hypocrites are just proof that there's a real thing. You can't have a hypocrite, someone acting like there's something that they're not unless there's really something that is. And, and uh, I, anyway, I'd explain, I tried every different angle. One time I, I was a family gathering, he cornered me and he started to talk about what's wrong with these, you know, televangelists that are just after your money and the priests in the church this and what's wrong with the church and all of that. And so I just said, Holy Spirit, help me. And, and, and these words came out of my mouth and I said, are, are, can I ask you a question? Can you see anything hypocritical in me? Because I'm a follower of Jesus, and the last thing I ever want is to misrepresent Jesus. I would never want to be one of those people you're talking about that's responsible for getting in the way of you experiencing God's love for you. Jesus died for you and, and rose from the dead for you. And I don't want to be one of those people that's a hypocrite, that's getting in the way of you experience the love of God. And he, no, 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 I, I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about you. Well, then I said, then, then let's talk about Jesus and you. I'll never forget that day because that, that guy, the conversation changed from that day. He's even been in gatherings that I've been speaking at when I was visiting in his area. There's an openness that's there. 
See, Jesus holds us responsible for what we do know of him. That takes us to the first scripture that we memorized in this attractive series. Watch this. This is real love. What is real love? Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. In other words, you want to know what love is? It's when you sacrifice to bring about God's best for others. All right? That's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's what we've experienced. So, since... God loved us that much, since we've experienced his extreme love, we surely ought to love each other. Do you see that? God holds us responsible for having experienced his love to express that love to other people. You see, the same expectation in the scripture that Pastor Jonathan gave us to memorize in the second week in the series. Remember it? He was easy on you. He gave you an easy one. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. But you see, if you've experienced the good news, the gospel, then communicate it to all creation. Get it out to everybody everywhere. You know, can you imagine having the uh, cure for COVID 100% guaranteed and yet you don't tell anybody. Oh, listen, we've got the, the much better news than the cure for COVID, however significant that is. This is affecting people's lives into the afterlife for all of eternity and their entire lives here. We've got the best news. And then there's a scripture I'm going to give you to memorize. I invite you to memorize it. It, it tells us how to communicate to all creation. All right? Let your conversation be gracious and attractive. Yeah. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Notice that, the right response. It doesn't mean that you're going to be a walking encyclopedia of biblical knowledge where you just, everyone that asks you anything about, you know, creation or Noah's flood or, or um, you know, can God lift something, make something so heavy he can't lift it, all these philosophical absurdities. It doesn't mean you're going to have just the, but you can have the right response response, the right attitude. You can love that person even if you don't have an answer that is satisfactory at that for whatever they're asking. Every one of us can be gracious and attractive. We can love the person that we're talking to, can't we? Every one of us. And, and, that, and that's what that the Holy Spirit, watch this, is never more interested in helping us than when we're helping others. Let me show you that, how the Holy Spirit just shows up. Like It was like, remember we saw in the Holy Spirit series recently that having the Holy Spirit with us is just like having Jesus with us. Now, Jesus with his disciples, remember he sent out the 12? He said, go do for other people what you've seen me do for them. And go do for other people what I've done for you. Love them, help them, heal them, pray with them. Tell them the good news. And then he sent out the 72. I love the instructions he gave. Do you know what he said? You can read it in the Gospels. He says, first thing you do when you show up, he says, speak peace to the house. Speak shalom is the Hebrew word for peace. It meant, it meant health to your spirit, mind, and body. I speak the blessing of health to you. You know, I, I just come to you to, to bless you, to speak peace to you. And then he said, heal the sick, find out what the needs are, and pray for God's power to be at work in those needs of the people that you meet. And then he, he, he invites them to, to, to bless the people that they go to. Now, Jesus said, 
when we go out to bring the good news to others, that just like Jesus was help coaching his 12 and 72, his Holy Spirit is with us. Watch this. The, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. What does it mean to be his witness? To tell people about me everywhere, about me. Jesus is talking, so we sing about Jesus everywhere. That's what witnessing is. You know, I have a car that um, probably like yours, mine's 2018, and recently they make him so that they, you, you stop and sometimes the motor will shut off, but the instant you press the accelerator, there is power available right there. That's what Jesus is saying. As soon as you talk to someone about Jesus or you're, you choose actions that reveal Jesus, acts of goodness and kindness that you're only doing because you love Jesus and you want to please him, as soon as you do that, the Holy Spirit will be right there giving you the power instantly. You will receive power when the Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses. But notice what he empowers us to do. To tell people about Jesus, not to talk about all kinds of other things. To speak peace, shalom to people. To bless someone. To pray and meet their needs. To say the kingdom of God is here. To say, you know, Jesus has come to planet Earth to die for our wrongs and rise so that we can have eternal life. To, to get to a place where we say that to people. It starts with peace and helping them, meeting their needs. You know, I, I Talked, I've talked to a lot of people over the years, and they'll say, oh, pastor, I witnessed to a guy for over an hour last week. Oh, really? Yeah. I told him what's wrong with this world, what's wrong with young people today. I told him what's wrong about the marijuana laws and abortion, and I, I, I told him what's, what, what, what this world is coming to, and, and, and people aren't going to church today like they used to, and that's what the problem... That's not witnessing at best. That's debating. And, and there's a place for debate. There's a place for whatever issues to have respect the other person debate, you know, where you, and you listen to their side. There's a place for that, but that's not witnessing. Witnessing is what? When you tell people about Jesus everywhere, you know, and you are not giving the Holy Spirit what he needs to work with until you're telling people about Jesus, that's when you receive power from the Spirit, when you're telling people about Jesus. You know, I've had people say to me, oh, pastor, I witnessed to a guy, I told him if you'll give your life to Jesus today, he'll make you prosperous and successful. And I say, really, really, that is so temporary compared to what Jesus, and Jesus said, the way you have life is you lose it. Jesus told us, he said, he said deny yourself. You know, take up your cross and follow me. He, he did not say to love selfishness, carry your comforts and follow prosperity teachers. You know, Jesus said, if, if you want to save your life, you lose it. You lay it down, you sacrifice, you love. Love is what's going to last forever. Give and it shall be given to you, but you, you don't give to get, you give to help other people, and then God does bless you. Yes, he does. 
but it starts with the gospel and, and witnessing of Jesus and laying down your life for him. That's what a witness is. You know, I was teaching the uh, church in Edmonton. We had so many people that were coming to Jesus, and there was this uh, whole basement of the church, a huge room, hundreds of, um, of newer Christians, and I was doing a course on how to tell people about Jesus a witnessing course on Tuesday evenings. And I told them, you know, witnessing is basically telling your story of what Jesus did for you, and that's subjective, and then objective based on what he did for every one of them in human history. You know, the Easter message, when he died for every one of us so we could all be forgiven, no barriers between us and God, and we can all live forever because Jesus rose from the dead. And, and, and so Saturday night of that week, I got a phone call. I can remember the lady's name, middle-aged lady, Alice Fitzgerald, and she said, Pastor Keith, she said, good news. She says, my nephew is visiting us here in Edmonton, and we got talking about Jesus, and I told him what he did for me, and then I said, what he did for me, he did for you, and I told him what he did on the cross, and when he rose from the dead, and that's what following Jesus is all about. And he said, yes, he wants to follow Jesus, he wants to give his life to Jesus. And I said, great, that's wonderful. And then there was this silence on the phone. And so it was awkward, so I just jumped in, and I said, that's great, Alice, that's wonderful to hear that. And there was silence, and then she said, tentatively, uh, so do you want us to bring him over to your place or do you want to come over here? You know, I guess I hadn't taught them in the course yet how to pray with someone that says yes to Jesus. We haven't, hadn't got to that part of the course yet, but anyway, I, I didn't want to tell her the Holy Spirit's right there. He'll help me right there. She, she brought him over and it was a wonderful evening where we led that nephew to Jesus. But it's amazing what happens when you just tell your story. And before you even get to that, just whatever neighborhood, whatever condo, apartment, to whatever place you live, student residence, when you get there, wherever you are, just do good things for people. Let your light shine. Just go around asking the Holy Spirit to just help you live for Jesus every day. It's amazing. My wife Esther is so good at doing those thoughtful acts of kindness throughout the year and finding what a need is. And it's not long before people say, uh, you know, I'm going through this. And we say, listen, do, do you want me to pray about it? And, and, and they engaging them that way, caring for them, is just so natural. And then it's so natural to, as we've done with our neighbors, and they've been in this room that I'm talking to you from so many times over the years, and, 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 and have opened their hearts to Jesus because we, we, we invited them to Easter was usually that, that week, you know, just like we're going to invite you to go to Shaken on the website, invite people out for this Easter. Listen, people that you've been letting your light shine, people that you've been talking to about Jesus, just keep inviting them, keep inviting them. Um, it was so interesting. Thursday evenings, my wife and I are online with our young adults. And uh, they go into three discussion times, and then they come back with us, and we discuss what they've been uh, talking about in their, in their smaller groups, their community groups. And uh, the first group back said, you know, we started talking about being attractive to people, and we all noticed how people are so much more open to faith today. And I said, what do you mean, unpack that? And they said, well, the, the last questions, why, why do you have joy? 
Where's that kindness coming from? They could see something attractive in our young adults. Isn't that amazing? That's the same thing we're doing every month with the Love Army. We're doing unignorable acts of goodness in our city. Talk about loving people and impacting our city. It's going to get to a place where people are going to say, you know that one church T.O.? That's a place where people love you, and they're doing a lot of good in this city. That's attractive. That attracts people to Jesus. Now, you are never more spiritually attractive than when you love people the way that Jesus loves them. You know, and and that's so true. Listen, the Holy Spirit keeps on working even after you've Stop letting your light shine for Jesus in front of that person because you don't see them anymore. You don't work with them. You're not your neighbor anymore. So we had one of our neighbors from where we lived get a hold of Esther yesterday and said, I miss you, you know, because we loved them when we lived with them. And maybe they're online with us now. <laughs> but it's amazing how even when you move or aren't part of their lives anymore or you pass away, how the Holy Spirit keeps working. You know, I was thinking of this amazing story about Charles Templeton. I don't know how many know uh, Charles Templeton, but Billy Graham and Charles Templeton started out together holding meetings in major stadiums across North America and Europe, telling people about Jesus. Charles Templeton was drawing larger crowds than Billy Graham. A lot of you know Billy Graham. A lot of you came to Christ. He's been in our city of Toronto many times before going to be with the Lord, telling people about Jesus. And, and, but Charles Templeton was a newer Christian and he was thrust into this. He began to have a crisis of faith. He was divorced a couple of times after that and he, he uh, turned his back on faith in Jesus and he, he, um, he wrote a book called Farewell to God. He went into journalism. He was the editor of McLean's Magazine, editor of the Toronto Star. He contributed to the Globe and Mail, had his television program with Pierre Burton over the years here in Toronto. And, and uh, a lot of people in the Christian community just sort of gave up him, on him. Billy Graham never stopped praying for him and being his friend. Never stopped. Just a few years before he died, a journalist from the United States who knew this famous era of Charles Templeton as a follower of Jesus and a communicator of the gospel, he came up to visit him and he had an interview with them. And he said, you know, they were having the interview and the guy's mind was so sharp with these intellectual arguments of doubts of faith and in the Bible and uh, in the church today. And then uh, uh, I, I, read, I, I read from the, um, the, the, the book that Lee Strobel was the journalist. He wrote, it's called A Case for Faith. And, and he came to the end of the interview and he says, and how do you assess this Jesus? And of course, he's recording it as a journalist does. Strobel describes that Charles Templeton all of a sudden relaxed. He was, Templeton began, the greatest human who has ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the intrinsically wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or my readings. His commitment was total and led to his own death, much to the detriment of the world. What could one say about him except this was a form of greatness? And the journalist, Lee Strobel, said, you, you, you sound like you really care about him. And Templeton said, well, yes, he's the most important thing in my life. I, 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 he shuddered, searching for the right word. I, I, I know it may sound strange, but I have to say, I adore him. 
Strobel writes that he wasn't sure how to respond, but he said, you say that with some emotion. Templeton continued, yeah, well, yes, everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. Yes, and tough. Just look at Jesus. He castigated people. He was angry. People don't think of him that way, but they don't read the Bible. He had a righteous anger because he cared for the oppressed and the exploited. There's no question that he had the highest moral standard, the least duplicity, the greatest compassion of any human being in history. There have been many wonderful people, but Jesus is Jesus. And then Lee Strobel says, that's when Templeton said the words that I never expected him to say. Templeton said, and if I may put it this way, and his voice began to crack, he said, I, I miss him. Strobel said that right after that, tears flooded uh, Charles Templeton's eyes. He turned his head and looked downward. He raised his left hand to shield his face from Strobel. His shoulders bobbed as he wept. Finally, Templeton gained control of his emotions and wiped away the tears. Enough of that, he said, as he waved his hand, as if to suggest there'll be no more questions along that line. Charles Templeton died June 7, 2001, with the Holy Spirit still <laughs> reminding him of the reality of Jesus. He adored Jesus. You know, how do you miss someone unless you, you wish they were back in your life? You know, people may forget a lot of things that you bring up, your opinions on politics and on prophecies and a lot of things, but you know what? They'll never forget what you say about Jesus because the Holy Spirit will keep reminding every open heart of the truth and the reality of Jesus. I don't know how many people I have prayed with over the years and I, to lead them to Jesus, and they, they've told me at one time or the other, I wish my parents who prayed for me now in heaven. I wish they knew about this. Or I had a grandma that never stopped praying for me my entire life. I wish she could know that I'm now following Jesus, that I'm in the love of Jesus Christ. Oh, dear one, spend the rest of your life. Don't <laughs> get involved in some of these peripheral minor things. Major on Jesus. It's when you, you, you major on Jesus that you become attractive. We, we, what do we say then as we bring to a close this attractive series? We're saying this. Let's stop expecting people who don't know Jesus. Let's stop expecting them if they don't know Jesus, to act like they do. Instead, let's be people, because we have known Jesus' love and truth, and we do know what he can do for others, let's act like it. Let's talk like it. Let's love people the way that Jesus loves them. Listen, we are never more spiritually attractive than when we love people the way that Jesus loves them. And, and when we lift up Jesus in our, our lives, our lifestyle, and we're different because of that, and when we, when we care for people as is, where is, we're being like Jesus, the Holy Spirit will be right there helping us and convicting them of the wrongs and drawing them to Jesus. Oh, how many want to live attractively? Oh, let your conversation then be gracious and attractive so that you may have the right response for everyone. Right on? Let, let, let's pray about this. And listen, as I begin to pray, how many of you have been tracking with me in this teaching and you're saying, oh, Pastor Keith, if you'd pray with me, I'm ready to say yes to the love of Jesus. I've heard the good news, the gospel, and I want to 
Jesus died for me as much as he died for anybody, and I need his forgiveness, just like everybody does. So if you'll pray with me, I'm ready to say, Jesus, come into my life. I won't be perfect, but I'm going to follow you, okay? If that's you, if you're opening your heart to Jesus, just pray with me right now. Jesus, I open my life to you. Thank you for loving me. So much that you died for any damage I have done with my sins. Cleanse that away, Lord, and keep cleansing me as I follow you. I want to live for you all the days of my life, right into heaven when I die. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life today. Uh, get on the website, and Alpha is, is a course that just helps people have questions about God and keep following the Lord. We want to do all we can to just help you keep following Jesus. Let me keep praying. So, Lord, for every one of us who are already followers of you, because we love you so much, so much, we've ex we are privileged to experience your love. Help us, Lord, to live it and speak graciously and attractively so that just like when you were on planet Earth, Lord, people will be drawn to the Jesus that lives in us, that changes us, we pray. I especially pray that you keep working on the hearts of, of children and parents, family, that our church family has been praying for for years, for neighbors and people in the workplace, fellow students, relatives. Lord, just may your spirit take whatever we've done to live for you in front of them or the words that we said and use those, Lord, to just draw them to Jesus, we pray. And Lord, this Easter week, may it be a special one where Good Friday and every time Pastor Jonathan brings the great news about how you shake up anything that's against us and bring us into everything that you want for us. May people be saying yes to Jesus. So Lord, help us invite people. Get on that, to get on that website, invite people so that your Holy Spirit has a teaching of the love of God to work with, to draw people to yourself. So use us to help that happen. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.